Sports Net 5.9 of the fan band and it's Brent Gutting. Guess what? What? It's Toronto Maple Leafs game day. Oh, wow. Really? Eight hours and away. game day. Yeah, game. Not, not game night. No, game like day. it should be. No, but it's, game day. No, it's game night in Sweden. Uh, by the way, Leafs pregame starting at 1.30 here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan this afternoon with uh, Justin Cuthbert and Gord Estelic, who's in for Ailish Forfar. Game at 2 o'clock. Kipper and Bourne, 5 to 7 tonight. Uh, and uh, the first hour is all Leafs, as you can imagine. It's Kipper and Bourne. We'll, uh, we'll talk to Nick Kiprios later on in the program. But they're, they're, this is... This is cool. We got like pregame skate stuff mm-hmm. happening during the show. So we have. I do. I will say this is the first part of the Sweden trip I've liked. We got some leaf news ish yeah. during the show. So Ilya Samsonov, it does appear, is going to be. I don't. Tonight, this afternoon, let, let's just, I guess, look at it from our perspective. Sure. This afternoon's sure. starting goalie. For the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, the, the lines are as expected. Yes. Uh, no John Klingberg in the lineup tonight. But we have some, like, John Klingberg news-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking about the injury. Yeah. Again, we have nothing to indicate what exactly is injured. But this, according to Luke Fox, John Klingberg says his injury is something he's been managing throughout his career. Unsure if he can play uh, today. And Sunday. And Sunday. Says at least it's a good sign he felt well enough to skate today. Optimistic this won't derail his season. He threw that in there. I mean, at, I wasn't at Nick Kiprios. Well, I was gonna say, like, I, I, I guess that's a good thing, but not something that uh, necessarily I I needed to hear from John Klingberg. I I, I thought maybe like tinfoil hat was on that yeah. the Leafs were interested in him hitting LTIR, but that he had to tell us that his season is not over is actually more concerning. If I want to go full tinfoil hat, and actually I don't even know how much of a tinfoil hat I need to put on to think this or to feel that this is true. So much of the conversations we always have around LTIR, had it around Matt Murray, Lord knows the lightning had it around Kucherov is you going to play ball. Mm-hmm. How's this going to work? You, you going to play ball here. And I don't know that this is true. But if you want to read into that as John Klingberg not playing ball and getting out in front of it, that could be the case. The idea of saying, hey, this isn't something that's yeah. going to cause my season to go awry. Hey, hey, <laughs> as hey, much as you hey, may hey, want it yeah, to Yeah, I know everyone's really excited because I missed a game. And then I'm going to miss one today. And I might miss one on Sunday. I know, I know you all out there in Leafland are so excited. Maybe the GM, Brad Treliving, excited about that. Not so fast. I do wonder... How much is that? And, you know, we're reading the the, uh, the the quote from Luke there. You know, you get better context when you're able to hear the way it's said, hear the question that's asked. But I do wonder if that is a part of the equation of, of him answering Shot the question. Shot across the that bow, way. then, yeah. A little bit. Hey, hey, I, I, well, it's a little different deal when Matt Murray had some money headed his way above and beyond mm-hmm. <laughs> what was headed his way at the end of last. This is it for John Klingberg. Yep. And he's not... 50 years old, right? This is a guy in his mid-30s. 31. Who's declining, clearly, but I'm sure believes that there's a good run of hockey still in there. That, yeah, he's not going to just disappear because you'd like him to. Uh, no, he wants to, if things continue on this trajectory, be traded out of Toronto and resume his career somewhere else. But uh, for the time being, he's a Toronto Maple Leaf, but will not play today, will not play on Sunday as uh, Red Wings... Did play mm. yesterday against the Ottawa Senators in a crazy wild game that ended with Tim Stutzla with the little 
baseball butt yep. shot. He's not a fan of baseball, though, apparently. Like, he, they, he asked got, him, they asked him some stuff. I didn't see this. Oh, yeah. They're like, hey, what? <laughs> like, who's your favorite baseball player? Like, wh- who are you modeling your, like, yeah. your... Your your swing after is like I hate baseball. It's very boring. Wow. <laughs> but I mean, if yesterday's game was Say any it with indication, your chest, Timmy, I, I, we talked to Josh Cloak the other day about what to expect out of these games, considering everybody's yeah. very tired and yeah. their routines are disrupted. Ah, indication yesterday, maybe a high scoring affair, which would maybe not. I was going to say, whoa, hold on. What are you about to say? Not be ideal for a team that is as as tried to tamp things down defensively. And at last check, I know it was a while ago, mm. did not allow a five-on-five five goal. You know what? We should we should also reset where we are in the Leafs season because people, like, we should almost do, like, you know how shows do the previously on. Previously on the Toronto Maple Leafs season, boom, Mark Giordano, punch in the face. Boom, Matthew instigator. Boom, seven-week vacation after that for some reason. Is there a resetting of the entire (laughs) boom was a lot. Is there a resetting of the season or is there a true carryover from that game? Because it happened so long ago. It did feel like a real tipping point moment. If Mm -hmm. in fact the season had continued normally that you take two (laughs) instigator penalties, the Canucks score on both of those power plays, but you come back, win the hockey game. Don't allow four goals on home ice for the first time all season long. Don't allow a single five-on-five goal against. Mm-hmm. Tamp things down defensively. John Klingberg was actually in the lineup for that game. He was. Is there a carryover effect, or are we resetting the entire season for today's game? Just for the record, the reason I did the boom that way is because I feel like that's how it works on shows. They go, like, previously on, and it's not like a narrator comes on and goes, Jimmy went to the store. It's like cut to whatever the big yeah, thing that happened last week. So yeah. that's, why, that's why I did it that Thank way. You, you know, like boom. You, got, you, had, you dropped you, the boom. You and Adnan were talking Fincher yesterday, and it just made me want to up my production game. Like, it made me want to watch just, The Killer yet? No, no, obviously not. I just okay. went home and did what I do every day. I'm stare at my phone and be sad there's no Leaf game that night. Uh, but that all changes today. I get to watch the Leafs at, at 2 o'clock. You know, I would love to sit here and tell you maybe this is a reset. Obviously, the best case scenario is they carry over that momentum. <laughs> I don't know for the life of me how you can expect them to. If they go out and it's a good game today, maybe you can sit here and say it. But it's been a week since they last played a hockey Sorry, six days since they last played a hockey game. The idea of any of that momentum carrying over. The other part of it as well is if it's a reset, it's not a reset yet because the reset will happen in a week's time when they're back from their other week-long layoff that they're going to have on the other side of it. So, like, I totally get what you're saying, but I honestly do feel mm. like not to say you yeah, punt they, these games. reset this these two games yeah, and then like there's quick, another reset. It's like quick reset and then we're going to reset again. They're so going to reset the reset is what it feels like. So I look at it as, yeah, you hope that this can maybe be a bit of a reset. You can almost have a, a fresh start to the season. But that can't happen until you're in Chicago next Friday at 2 p.m. Okay, so if it is a reset and maybe if there's multiple resets, who needs the reset the most? Um, because there's been... Multiple times that multiple players have received mm-hmm. derision from the fan base, and rightly so. Yep. Uh, both goaltenders at separate times this season. Although, Those are the guys. At, at last check, again, Ilya Samsonov was playing one of his best games, did not allow a 5-on-5 goal. But uh-huh. who needs the reset the most? And just for the record, I tweeted at the beginning of that game. I liked where Sammy's game oh, was. Oh, boy, at the night, you're so. going to know in record no. time. 
I don't think I am because it's been a hundred years. I forgot what it's like to watch Elias Sampson on play. Mm. So I, I don't, I think if anybody on this team needed the reset, it was, I mean, obviously the two most likely candidates are John Klingberg and Ryan Reeves, but I don't know what a reset is going to do those guys. I mean, Klingberg, maybe you hold out some hope that it just got off to such a bad start. And if they would have just put him in bubble wrap throughout this trip and said, all right, you're not playing, you're not skating, do whatever's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Apparently you're not willing to go on LTR or whatever else is wrong with you. Go take some time to figure it out. Like there's a world where maybe that happens, but this was the worst time for the reset. And like, I don't mean to belabor the point I've been bringing up all week long, but Everything had finally started to fit. You Mm -hmm. had a third line that made some sense. Bobby McMahon, you slot one new body on the fourth line, and all of a sudden, hmm, that's a fourth line you kind of like. You got a fast guy, a defensive guy, and, oh, Bobby McMahon, look at that. That's another fast guy, and he's kind of mean. You saw some some cohesion in your top six. Matthew Nyes really seemed to take a a step, or I shouldn't even say a leap, but just really solidified himself on on that top line. And the blue line... It had come together as best as I think anybody could expect, given the pieces that were being used, like the fact that a Lagasin and a Benoit are a set pair for you. That was going about as well as could be expected as well. So if anybody needed the reset, it's the goalies. But it's not like it was a, oh, my God, these guys need to get right. They had some rough games. But to your point, Samsonov Mm. had maybe his best game of the season right before Right, right before the break. So I don't know who needs the reset. Well, you it, tell me. It might be Joseph Wall because he was in net for the the win in a shootout over the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. But over the last two starts, he's given up ten total goals. Right. Yeah. So, so maybe it's Joseph Wall. Is there anything to be taken out of him getting the start against the in, inferior team? I mean, both games are against teams on the back ends of back to back. But the the Wild and the Senators w- went on this trip in various uh, levels of disarray Mm -hmm. is there anything to take out of Ilya Samsonov getting the start in the more significant game against a divisional opponent in the Detroit Red Wings and Joseph Wall getting the start against the Minnesota Wild in the final game of the Sweden series I I think you have to read a little something into it because of the because of the fact that it is the divisional opponent to your point you know Red Wings they've been much better than expected this year but I don't think anybody looks at any of the teams over there and goes oh that's the world beater that you have to save your your absolute best for I bet you they made this decision before they left of, okay, like, okay, we saw how the weekend games went. This guy's going to get this start. This guy's going to get that start. I wonder with a guy like Samsonov who, you know, we've talked so much about the mental aspect of it for him. If it just said, all right, look, you're playing. We love your game on Saturday night. You're playing on Friday. Like they just made that decision right then and there. I think it says a little something, but I think we're in the exact conversation we've been having with these guys for most of the year that if somebody has an upper hand, it's slight, you know, Joe wall, maybe at at one point in time had the biggest upper hand, but even that was, you know, barely a a leg up on Samsonov. So I think you read a little something into it. It's probably, you know what? We liked your game on Saturday. Let's see if you can keep it going divisional opponent, but I, I don't know what to read into it other than that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you were trying to protect somebody, maybe it would be protect them in in the form of getting them in the the game on Sunday against a wild team that's lost three in a row. But again, I, I don't. Yeah, it's not like the Leafs are playing back to back, so it's in the, you, you can't parse it that way. Um, I think we're back to the way this season started. Although the season started with Ely Samsonov getting two consecutive starts, mm-hmm. and then. Joseph Wall getting that third start and then him taking over the role as de facto starter. But I think we're back 
to the place of, hey, alternating starts almost. Totally. Maybe, maybe both both guys starting 41 games by the time this season well, is they're over. Going to the, they're going to split the next four games. Mm-hmm. They're going to split these two. They have a back-to-back when they come back. So it's going to be a... Again, when it's time to reset in a week's time, when mm-hmm. they're when they're Second back reset. from their other yeah. reset yeah. or their week off, that I think that's how they'll look at it. Is it okay? Who kind of held held their own the best out of the four game sample across a hundred years here? Well, I, I guess there is still a possibility that Matt Sundin could do some media, um, like in a, in an official capacity for the Maple Leafs. But... I don't want him to do media. I just want to see that video that the Sens had with Alfredson and him reading the lineup card okay, and so firing up the boys. So that's a possibility, but um, he did not, like Daniel Alfredson did before the game yeah. yesterday against the Detroit Red Wings, do media. And Daniel Alfredson did the media and then you know stepped onto the bench and, and was a celebrity coach for the— 1-0. Coach for the career. Ottawa Senators, yeah. I mean, his team blew a 4-0 lead, but whatever. They they ended up with a victory. Nah, he's offense guy. It's yeah. not on him. Uh, so, I mean, we have to go through intermediaries. Matt Sundin had dinner with the Maple Leafs coaching staff yesterday, and Sheldon Keefe was asked about Matt Sundin. Quote, he's a proud Maple Leaf, and you can see that. I, I guess, like, it is. It's a little bizarre how how just not visible he's been throughout the whole course of this week-long journey into his home country yeah i've been trying not to think about it too much quite honestly because it's a little odd i've been trying to think okay you know a private guy doesn't come over that's totally his prerogative it's all but they're in his backyard you know i heard him on with and we'll talk to kipper a little later on he he lives like 10 minutes outside of Stockholm. Like, that's right there. You know, the those guys asked him about the possibility of him coming back to the org, similar in an Alfredson capacity. And, you know, he listed the age of his kids. I forget what they are, but, you know, two of them under 10 years old. And I think there's a teen in there as well. It does seem like he's just pretty happy at arm's length, but it's so odd to not have the team kind of, and I don't think the team's trying not to, but it's just so odd for there not to be this big warm embrace. You know, I, I made the joke yesterday when we were talking about it with, I think it was when we were talking with uh, Josh Cloak, but it almost is like the end of his Leafs tenure here where somebody like myself looks at it and goes, Oh, okay. Like this is awkward. It's his prerogative though. Like he's allowed, yeah, he's to, allowed do to do it. What he wants. If he doesn't want to come in and answer a thousand questions and man, like, this is a thing with Leaf captains. Like, it kind of goes one of two ways, right? Like, you know, I remember sitting at the at the Joe Carter golf tournament this year, and it's like you got Doug Gilmore and you got Wendell Clark, and they're happy to hold court for 45 minutes and tell yeah. old war stories. And yeah. then, then you have Dion Phaneuf, who's like, he's he'll sit down and he'll do it with you, but he's a little more hesitant to do that because, or hesitant to do that because you know, it was a lot wearing that mantle. And it was a great honor. Those guys would tell you the exact same thing. But for some people, it clearly just wears on them in a way that they maybe don't want to get mm. back in that aspect of their life, get back in the spotlight that way. And it's, I, I can't begrudge him. As much as it crushes me, I can't begrudge Matt's for it. Well, I mean, he did it. He answered the bell. And you, when you wear the C, you, you do. That's part of your gig. And mm-hmm. I, I <laughs> recall a pretty uh, infamous moment for Dion Phaneuf when he did not answer the media bell on one occasion, had to apologize profusely for that. But Matt's answered the bell. There was no salute gate under Matt's watch. Yeah. Uh, Matt's answered the bell every single day, win or lose, yep. when he was here. So you're right. He's allowed to say no. It's just 
Would've it stinks. Nice. It stinks. You look at it, you've got you got Nicholas. Well, and especially when this is the romantic tale that's been told. And again, like I'm really, I'm so happy they're playing a game today. I am trying my best not to just relitigate why they're even over there to begin with. Mm. But so much of it is, oh, the Swedish royalty, mm. the bloodline from Borea to Mats to Nylander. One of those guys is going, yeah, yeah, that's great. You guys talk about it. And unfortunately, the other one no longer with us in Borea Salming. And even William Nylander is yeah. like, okay, cool. Like, I'm not your tour guide. You guys figure well, out what it is you want also, to do. He's it's- answering the questions, but like in pretty classic William Nylander fashion where like, I think the longest answer he's given is about 10 oh, words. He, he got asked today if he saw the Stutzla goal. Nope. Didn't no. see a second of it. <laughs> yeah. Like It's just, he is who he is. Okay. But that I think is that to me is maybe the most frustrating part. And I said it at the very beginning of the week when it's like, what am I hoping to get out of this? It'd be nice to see a reconnection with, with Matt's. And it's just weird that it hasn't been there to the same extent. Again, like, Alfredson and Lindstrom, and, like, I know they played together in Detroit, but I highly doubt that's why they did. It's like they had a joint presser. Yeah. We we saw Matt's on a red carpet. Mm-hmm. We heard him on Kipper and Bourne. Again, if you missed it, go check it out. It was an awesome interview, like, telling, telling stories about his time in Toronto and with Ty and remembering Max and, you know, giving it to Kipper. It was awesome. But I just wish he was more, more a part of it. And, hey, man, like, this is total wishful thinking that's not going to happen. It's like maybe he is like he drops the puck tonight or something. Like, well, that's the thing. I, I'm like waiting for the moment where it's like, okay, I, I'm not ready to to say definitively that Matt Sundin is not going to be a more um, official part of this trip for the Leafs. But like now we're here. It's game yeah. day. And this is the spot, like you said, that Nick Lidstrom and Daniel Alfredson did their official press conference yesterday. It's so weird. It's weird. We're, we're not hearing, we're again, we're hearing, hearing secondhand <laughs> that he had dinner <laughs> with the coaches. And you could tell he's proud to be a Maple Leaf. Okay. Like how about Matt's? Hey, are you proud to be a Maple Leaf? And obviously like, of that's course a, he is. yeah, those yeah. are softball questions. And that's the other thing. It's like, what does Matt's think he's going to be grilled here? Like, don't, don't you want to get the softball questions lobbed to you and that you can, Show goodwill. Like, and He's not going to do it, but you get to stand up there as the guy who played in a conference final. Yeah, like, and again, I, I know, I know, like a conference final. I like, I know, yeah. but that's what we have here. Right. Okay. You get to be the guy who that's, talks about yeah. deep runs and all of that. Yeah. We had, we had Gary Roberts on. Mm-hmm. Bunk had Neuendijk. It was the, I imagine like, you know, not that those guys need to sit there and be patted on the back for their accolades. And, you know, those two guys specifically and Roberts and Neuendijk, like, you know, they had mm-hmm. a run that they maybe hold dear to their hearts because they won a cup together in Calgary. Mm-hmm. But it's like, wouldn't you want to be lauded mm-hmm. in that way? Uh, again, I like, would. Yeah. Oh my God, for <laughs> sure. Think of the, to your point about like, he's not going to get grilled. They asked Nylander if he took the boys to Ikea yet. That's the level of questioning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's like, in a way. Like, do they think, does he think they're going to go, tell us the truth, is John Klingberg hurt? Fellow Swede, tell us the truth. No, uh, in a way, it's like admirable that he he doesn't want to put himself in the spotlight because he knows it's going to be nothing but roses and it's going to be nothing but adulation. And he says, yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I, I, I'd rather not though. And he's stepping to the and side. Like I, I, ha- I have to like say it again, his prerogative. He's allowed to, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it doesn't stink for everybody else involved. Yep. Yeah, it does. Uh, 
again, 2 o'clock today, Sportsnet 5 Night of the Fan, pregame show starting at 1.30, Kipper and Bourne, 5 to 7. We'll talk to Nick Kiprios later on in the program. I was wondering if they were going to get day off because of the because of the time there. But no, apparently no, no, not. No, 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 Extra no, work, no, no, later no, work. Oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. Uh, grinding, uh, 5 to 7. Uh, Raptors play their first in-season tournament game the tonight. Wait is over. You want it, man. The day of weights ending. Leafs finally, for the first time in 10,000 years, play a hockey game. Mm-hmm. And the, oh, right, it doesn't have a name. It was about to be like the Silver Cup or whatever. No, it's called the NBA Cup. That's a dumb name. Come up with something better. Well, here's what it's going to be called. Yeah, the Some, Pfizer yeah, or whatever. Yeah. AT&T <laughs> yeah. Cup next year yeah, or whatever. That's, that's uh, worse. Yeah, <laughs> Pfizer's bad. Uh, <laughs> Raptors host the Celtics. And as Michael Grange rightly points out on sportsnet.ca, today's like almost like a must-win in in NBA yeah. season tournament form, if you Good want luck. to, if you want to be playing in early December in Las Vegas, where by the way we're what watching a, live F1 racing, uh, we'll get to that later on a, in the program. What a thing to say! Yeah. If you want, if you want to be playing in Las Vegas in December, you yeah. got to win tonight. Yeah, so you you play four in season tournament games, and the top team in the group gets through to the knockout stage, and then also there's two wild card teams that have the second best records quick aside as you're explaining the format before we get into the raptors part of this did you see the did you see steph curry asked about the in-season tournament this might have been from like a week or so ago for all i know but you know like everyone you you asked you've seen all the clips i'm sure of players across the league on i got no idea they tell me i show up i play scotty barnes is my favorite where he's like he takes a beat and he's like thinking about whether he should explain it's like i think you can just google it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, so that was the thing. Steph Curry, and I think this is the first time I've ever come to the mic, like not being asked to do so, providing praise of him. But he was just like, it's not that hard. Mm-hmm. If you just take 30 seconds, take a breath, yeah. look at it. It's really not that confusing. It's, it's not. It's, Everybody wins their group, gets in. Yeah. There's wild card teams. Two card. Go wild to Vegas. Card. That's it. That's it. Like, it just... Is I I had to bring that to the mic because I'm always critical of him. So every once in a while, I like to give uh, you know one of Toronto's favorite sons uh, yeah, his due there. The Nets have already played three of their four games in the group. They're two and one. <laughs> the Celtics are one and zero. Oh. So the Raptors, are the only team in the group that is yet to play an in season tournament game. The Bulls, Magic, zero oh and one. Uh, Raptors play their first in season tournament game tonight at home against the Celtics team that pounded them into sand on the final game of that four game road trip. So I want to play you. This clip from Pascal Siakam asked about whether this game, whether these games, considering the financial incentive, considering being the first team to win an NBA Cup title might be something of significance, whether these games stand out above uh, others and whether there's like a separate level of, of effort that goes into winning these basketball games. Every time I have an opportunity to play and compete, to me, is always exciting. So I don't think the money makes me like, oh, my God. I have to, you know, kill myself. I have to kill myself every night because I want to be great. Like, so, and I think that again, those—it's not like those games don't count. Like, counts as like regular. Like, all those games are important. So, to me, like, I don't try to put extra pressure on that. It's just like we got to win every game that we try to play, anyways. So it's like, why, you know, why not try to do those for those ones? I think it's a great point. Um, I think for this team in particular, well, especially with a guy that's a pending free agent who's mm-hmm. trying to play his way into a uh, max contract, yeah, like every night is rather important to him. Yes. Uh, and Michael Grange asked the, the, the perfect question. Mm-hmm. So I'll just, I'll just read it yeah. from his piece verbatim. In trying to elevate a select few regular season games above others, 
to add more spice to what can be a long, drawn-out regular season, does the NBA not send the message that the other games don't matter as much? No. You know why? Because they had already sent the message that these games didn't matter. Like, you could not, in my opinion, you could not diminish the NBA regular season more than it already had been diminished. I think sometimes that point is overstated. Like, I think sometimes we think of yesteryears like, oh, it really used to matter to a certain extent, but it really used to matter in the playoffs. But So I think the NBA with the load management, with guys sitting out, with, you know, the play-in tournament or before the play-in tournament with teams just trying to get in and make it a run as an eight seed, all of that, it had already been diminished. So I don't think the addition of in-season tournament games diminishes those further. Does it prop those games up and make the in-season tournament games seem, I guess, more important and a leg up? Yes, but I don't think there was anything the NBA could do to further diminish its regular season. And I honestly think sometimes we wring our hands about this stuff mm-hmm. too much. It's North America. This We care about the playoffs. We've decided this the way we we do things. So I don't I don't look at it as the in-season tournament games devaluing the rest of the the regular season because what's less than zero? I mean negatives, I know, but <laughs> bear with me. I do think about the the mentality of these two teams in particular that are gonna play tonight down at Scotiabank Arena, um, as far as their overall goals, their retainable goals for mm-hmm. the Celtics, it's winning a title, right? Like they're in it to win it. Yep. The Raptors, I don't think Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, as much as they believe in themselves, have any illusions that this is a championship season for the Toronto Raptors. Like God, they, they know they, what's at stake here, and it's not a championship. Did, if they did, the confidence they would possess. Yeah, that would, that'd be cool. I mean, I guess if if Scotty Barnes really, yeah, turned into the best version of himself, and then all of a sudden Pascal and he learn how to have good games on consecutive, like at the same time, yeah, consecutively throughout the course of 48 minutes, that, I guess you can convince me anything's possible. But yeah, I, I, I think those guys are, are pretty realistic about their chances of winning an NBA title this season and it being nil. So the argument of, of adding extra juice to an in uh, to a regular season game for a Boston Celtics team that knows the larger goal mm. is the way that will be judged. The, the, the Boston Celtics are, are not going to be judged whether they, they win the Eastern conference. If they have the best record in the Eastern conference like that, whether they win the first NBA cup, like that's, it's going to be a footnote. Yeah. In regards to what they do in the postseason for a team like the Raptors and to Pascal Siakam's point about yeah. every single night, I'm killing myself trying to win a basketball game, trying to make a shot, try to in- increase my standing in the NBA as I head towards unrestricted free agency. I do think for a team like the Raptors, there's not much different as far as an effort level. No, there can't be. You you have to. You're the Raptors. You can't take anything for granted. What, I forget what game made me made me yell about this. But who do you? Oh, it was the Wizards game. Who do you think you are to say? Well, we're going to take our nade, our yeah. foot off the gas today. You've proven nothing in this league. So you're right for a team like the Raptors. And but I think that this is the. That I actually think this is the beauty of the in season tournament is that it allows different like I would I don't think this is the way they should go about their business but how cool would it be if just from the jump you know coach Darko and the Raptors are like our NBA season is the NBA in season tournament Hmm. that's the season everything else is a tune-up to get us ready for those games and maybe maybe the way they look at it and and you know I, I imagine the pods will change every year is oh we have a really winnable pod this year we're going for this thing I love the idea of there being different states because there are very few teams that can 
go into a game the way Pascal, not that Pascal's talking about it, but the people hear that quote and say, oh, we can just kind of go in at 70%. That's like Heedles LeBron. That's mm. like KD Warriors, teams that can sleepwalk through games to that extent. So I understand like the point that's being driven at by this, but I just think the vast majority of the NBA has to treat their games that way. There, There is a very small upper echelon of teams, and it's maybe three or four teams deep that can toy with their opponents and say, all right, we're going to take our foot off the gas. Yeah. We're going to do this on any given night. Yeah, I, I, I think... The problem with the regular season is not that there's like a lack of effort by the players who are playing in the regular season right. games as as meaningless as they may end up being over the course of 82 mm-hmm. games. It's that some of the stars don't play in all right. the regular season games. I think see the, the, Raptors Bucks this week. Well, right. And I think the point if I was going to make the argument for the the in-season tournament right. uh, if I was the NBA. It's not that like, hey, look at these games. They're going to look like playoff games because nothing is going to... Mm-hmm. There's, there's a, a different intensity, especially on the Draymond. defensive end. Ask Draymond. Yeah, He's fighting, choking true. people in get, every in-season But tournament. again, like to my point, like, yeah, regulars and Draymond is making my point that yeah. <laughs> there is... Like, nobody looks at a, even a meaningless regular season game if it's early in the season between two rivals. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a high level of effort there. It's that you're going to be... Like the if if you're if you are still load management managing the occasional game, which mm-hmm. Giannis, as you rightly pointed out, did already in a game in Toronto earlier this week, that these are not the games you're gonna load manage. That we're gonna see right. the best rosters put forth in these four round robin mm-hmm. group stage uh NBA in season tournament games. To me, that's the point. It's not, you know, yeah, obviously Pascal Siakam's gonna give his all throughout the course of forty eight minutes every single night mm-hmm. that he's on the court. And I think most NBA players are. There are notable exceptions. Yep. I mean, James Harden. Uh, but yeah, generally, if you're playing in an NBA game, getting paid the many millions of dollars that you are, there's going to be a high level of effort. It's just that these games are the games that you're not going to miss. That's all. Yeah, I think that I think you probably hit the nail on the head. It is funny, like when when the in-season tournament started, we banned it. We work for other sports. Would it work for hockey? And could you imagine? just out of nowhere and this is the different this is where i think there is a definitive difference like guys do i don't want to say try harder in hockey in the playoffs but like they will lay every single thing out on the line it's not that austin matthews isn't skating as hard as he Mm -hmm. can but it's like that shot block winning that battle like it becomes everything becomes imperative could you imagine if again it would have to be kind of a lesser than team but if the okay they're having a half decent year the coyotes and there was an in-season cup. They're like, no, we are playing every game. Like it's game seven of the Stanley cup final. That actually would be interesting to see. You'll never well, see it happen in hockey because they'll never diminish their playoffs. But honestly, it is interesting to think. about. Well, and also what happens in the playoffs is that the bench gets shortened in the NBA, right? Yep. Like you, oh, you massively. Yeah. Yeah. There's no questioning Nick nurse playing Pascal Siakam 40 minutes. When we get to the postseason. No, we're all good with that. Are we going to see that? At some point during the in-season turn, I will also say that it's going to feel different when it's single elimination. Totally. Like, or when we're at the end of the round robin, it's yep. like, oh, you win this game and you are through to the single elimination portion. It's like, it's just, especially when you're the Raptors, you're playing the first game of this thing. Yeah. To, 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 to put that type of import on it. If they get to game four and it's like, yeah, you win this, this bad boy mm-hmm. and, and you could be headed towards the single elimination portion or, you know, the championship game in Las Vegas... 
that that is going to feel different. It's it's hard at the beginning of this thing. Yeah, no, totally. I and that's why I actually think that's the part of it. And maybe I'm skewed by this that we do this for a living and we talk for three hours every day. But I think that's the most interesting thing about it is to see the kind of way it evolves year over year. Do so again, like I, I'm not putting out a team like looking at themselves as the in-season tournament team. Like if you're one of these fringy teams mm-hmm. going, that is our, that's our Super Bowl. That is our Larry OB this year. And I'm very curious to see the way it evolves in the, in the culture of the sport. Like how will it, how yeah. will it change? Cause there will be teams that, cause some, like we're all going to make fun of it. The first go around mm-hmm. and some team that is great is going to win it. And we're going to say, Oh, great. Go win the real thing in, in, uh, in June. But I'm I'm very curious to see the way this all plays out. Yeah, we'll see. Raptors get their first taste of it tonight at home against the Boston Celtics. All right, when we come back, things are happening in Las uh, in Las Vegas. Well, one Formula One again is is happening right now at uh, what three thirty uh, Pacific Coast time. But in Las Vegas, where they make the odds, the Toronto Blue Jays are rising as far as the odds of them landing the biggest free agent fish. In uh, Major League Baseball, after Ken Rosenthal's report yesterday, he was also on Sportsnet Central. Uh, Shohei Otani, not shockingly, a two-time American League MVP. We'll talk about his likelihood of becoming a Toronto Blue Jay next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 59, the fan, Ben Annis, Frank Gunning. Man, what a day. Live sports. You don't usually get a lot of live stuff happening oh. starting at 6 in the morning doing this show. You should come to my world, buddy. The world of golf. The lovely DP World Tour. Little Euro Tour golf. Always on at this time of day. My okay. man, John Rahm, on the course right now. Uh-huh. It takes everything I own, actually, not to ask Azo to put it on for me every Thursday and Friday morning. But why, I, why, I, I would, wanna, why would you not? I want to be a good. So- Here's the problem: I love golf too much. Mm. Is that it would distract me from like the thing I love would distract me from complaining about the things I hate. And I know people wish it wasn't, <laughs> but that's my job. So I gotta right. stay locked in. Okay, Leafs are getting ready for a, a game in Sweden again at two o'clock today on Sportsnet Five Ninety, the fan pregame show at one thirty. Kipper and Bourne uh, five to seven today, and yeah, the Las Vegas Grand Prix. They're having a it's practice hilarious. right now because um, there was a delay. Uh, Carlos Sainz drove over a manhole cover and the downforce sucked up the, the manhole cover right into the bottom of his car and destroyed his engine. So they had to shut everything down and then weld all the manhole covers down. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to do physics ever, especially now, but downforce counterintuitive. Like you would Mm -hmm. think it would push it down well, instead no, of suck it, it up. Yeah. Right? Well, it's pushing the car down. I'm just say well, it's yeah. So what the car, like, wouldn't the car just be like, Hey, manhole cover, stay down. Mm-hmm. If it's pushing it down, you'd say th- no, again, this again, but no, but you, how does the car stay down? Because it sucks. It's I trying see. to stick to the ground. Right. And it's right. It's the, the force is pulling okay. up from the ground. Well, I don't know. Still doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, you know, what doesn't make sense is that anything involving this for Carlos <laughs> science did nothing wrong. He drove on the racetrack. Yeah. 
like he was supposed to, and his engine was destroyed, and uh, Formula One gave him no dispensation, uh, a special dispensation. So, yeah, he's going to have a grid penalty for the actual race when everybody else is like, nah, you don't give him a penalty because he needs a new engine because you forgot to weld down the manhole covers. Anyways, it's uh, almost 4 o'clock in the morning in Las Vegas, which I get. Like, people are it's in Vegas. Las Vegas. It's and Vegas. You're staying up late. Yeah, it's Vegas. Maybe all night. Yeah. But, like, maybe this is the end of your trip. And, or maybe you've just, you know... You're trying to take it easy tonight. Or maybe you went to sleep at like 3 o'clock, which yeah. is not like unreasonable even when you're in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And you look out your window and it's a Formula One race <laughs> at like almost breakfast time. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Not what you want. Not what you want there. No, no this entire event has been uh, – it's been riddled with uh, – some uh, some I, screw ups. I will say, uh, normally it's Charles Leclerc playing that part, but me as a as a fake F one guy, I will mm -hmm. say it's very on brand for Ferrari to have something like that happen. Charles Leclerc, uh, king of uh, getting pole every week and then finishing somehow mm -hmm. off the podium, so very on brand for Ferrari. Uh, well, well, we'll see if they figure it out in time for the race, which starts again Saturday night. By which I mean Sunday morning at one o'clock Eastern time. Uh, the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Anyways, hold on, hold on. The I know we already did this this week, but I feel like I missed it. The race is at one in the morning ten, Eastern time, ten o'clock Pacific time. Is I when guess it they starts. needed to be night there because you want the night race. But I don't know. Doesn't the sun set earlier than that? Feels like they could bump that up a little. Yeah, I know no. I'm the king of complaining about schedules, and and I it's really rich of me to complain about the schedule for something I have no. Uh, plans on watching, even if it was at the perfect time for me. But it uh, feels like a bad time for no, a race. No, it's a horrible time. Okay. Yeah, cool. 1 o'clock Eastern time to, to start something Seems that bad. you'd like people to watch on television on the East Coast of uh, North America. Yeah, it's yeah. not ideal. It's, it's, but they're no, no, catering I, to the European course. audience. But do the Europeans care? The, this is the inverse. Like, do the Europeans care that the race is in Las Vegas? I certainly care that the Leafs are in Sweden. Not because they're there, but because of the effects it's had on me. But, like, does some guy in... I don't know, Netherlands, Holland, whatever it's uh, the official title of the country's called. I was about to do the, and then I'm like, you don't do it for Ukraine, so no, why would no. I do it for the Netherlands? Anyways, some guy care that it's like, oh, it's in Vegas, cool? I don't know. Maybe they do think it's interesting. I have no I, idea. I think they're just interested in watching Formula One racing wherever it is. And they and get it at their time, which is very nice for them. Yes. Uh, there is a key ring. They're in the... Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting the way that works, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? You're right. Interesting. <laughs> Could they have started today's Leafs game mm, five hours later? So, it was, okay, that would be like at midnight. Could they have started that at midnight Swedish time to get it into prime time for Leaf viewing audience? It's a question for another day. <laughs> All right. Uh, Shoy Otani is two-time unanimous American League MVP. That's pretty good. Good for him. Not surprising. What is surprising, and we talked about it yesterday, is the Blue Jays are becoming a more realistic possibility as a suitor for his services as he hits unrestricted free agency. After yesterday's Ken Rodens, uh, Rosenthal report in which he had an unnamed rival executive talking about the Blue Jays as a dark horse candidate to land Shohei Otani, they have vaulted up the standings or the odds leaderboard mm -hmm to land Shohei Otani. They're now tied with the New York Yankees for eighth best odds at plus 1,500. So here are the here are the odds as it stands right now to land Shohei Otani in free agency. The Dodgers are favorite. They are plus 230. Chicago Cubs, second favorite, plus 500. Giants, 
plus 550, Mets plus 1,000, Mariners plus 1,000, Rangers plus 1,000, Red Sox plus 1,200, mm-hmm. and then it's the Yankees and Blue Jays at plus 1,500. This, after Shohei Otani, again, won his second unanimous American League MVP award, something that was just a matter of time mm-hmm. until we got to yesterday when he was officially given the award. And Great we got timing to- on that, by the way, Major League Baseball. Yeah, I had no yeah, issue with it. But um, and then we got to see into his living room where he, he sat with his his dog. His if ever, doggo. If I ever see a picture of that dog again, it's too soon. Uh, it was way. Uh, this is why the Leafs have to play at night. There was way too much Shohei Otani dog on my Twitter timeline last night. There was uh, there was a lot of Shohei Otani dog, but there was no Q and A from reporters. And now there was supposed mm. to be after receiving the award. There were. Reporters sitting around waiting for their opportunity to talk to Shohei Otani right. for the first time since August. Remember, he was shut <laughs> yeah, yeah. down in August, and then that was a big deal in Anaheim when his locker was taken down, all his stuff was removed oh, from the right. clubhouse for that. the final month and I a half of the that season. Yeah. That's the last time anybody's had a chance to talk to Shohei Otani, and and I think we we pretty well know that he was not going to indicate if he did media yesterday where he's leaning as, as far as free agency is concerned. But so guarded is Shohei Otani during this time that he said, thanks, but no thanks. Or at least it was, it, I guess it was under the guise of uh, a technical malfunction. That totally. He was, no one on earth could have figured it out, apparently. He, he was unable to do uh, a back and forth with reporters. This after... Jeff Passan a couple of days ago reported this in regards to how teams are treating his free agency and how Shohei Otani will view the way things are reported around his free agency. If there's one thing to know about Shohei Otani's free agency is that you are unlikely to know much about it until he signs somewhere. If visits between Otani and a team are reported publicly, it will be held against the team. So the circles will be tiny and tight. Brent, my question to you, and, and this is a rival executive. This yeah. is nothing from inside the inner sanctum of Rogers Center, where they are maybe grinding right now on a Shohei Otani oh, negotiation. I was, was going to say, there's almost certainly a guy like working a grinder oh, because of the renovations. There certainly is. Um, is that actually a negative thing that we're hearing something, even though mm. it's not out of the Toronto Blue Jays? specifically, that there is any noise surrounding that team, does that give you any indication that actually, instead of rising up the mm-hmm. leaderboard as as a potential suitor for Shohei Otani, the Blue Jays should be dropping because if there's smoke around a team, Shohei Otani is going to say, hey, yeah, you know what, on second thought, no, thanks, but no thanks. Let me preface this answer by saying I do not think the Blue Jays are going to sign Shohei Otani. I don't think it's that they don't want to. I think he's going to sign somewhere else. So let me just preface it with that. But if I was a rival exec concerned that the Blue Jays did have a chance to sign Shohei Otani, mm. I would be getting uh, what's the thing to uh, make the fire go, the bellows. I'd be oh, getting yeah. the flames going of like, you know, Toronto thinks they have a chance. Toronto, Toronto. Also, as soon as I heard the idea of a, if anything is leaked, it's like, why, would, why wouldn't you just start leaking left, right, and center about your rivals? Like, oh, I heard he was in Toronto. I heard he was here. I heard there was a Zoom meeting. Like, the fact that the Jays are being bandied about by other clubs and secrecy is such a important part of this, mm-hmm. at the very least, I think you have to look at it that other clubs, like, forget... 
and not that what Rosenthal thinks or can report and what Passon thinks he can report or nothing. But if other clubs are concerned that the Jays are a real possibility for this, that should tell you how much they are actually in the mix. The fact that other teams are talking mm-hmm. them up this way, that to me does say that they're a little scared that they are a legit player. And I do wonder how much of it is like, hey, let's pump the tires on the Blue Jays being a possibility here so that maybe it does get talked up more and then he, he not gets cold feet. Because again, I don't think he's coming here, but I, but that's the way I look at it, honestly. I'm trying to figure out what Joey Otani wants. He wants to win. Wants to win. He wants to play baseball. Uh, I, th- and I, I can't say this definitively, but I'm pretty confident in it. You don't want to be bothered. Okay. That's why he's going to be a Dodger. He doesn't want to, you, you honestly think this is a guy who like, let's just look at yesterday, Ben, who had technical difficulties. So he couldn't answer some questions about where he's going to take hundreds of millions of dollars from. How's he going to deal with a, well, I was about to say bad start, but he's not going to do that anymore. It's like, how's he going to deal with the one for four day in New York? Joey Otani wants to win. Yeah. Shohei Otani maybe wants a controlled environment, which is part of the reporting. Again, like all these reporters are even admitting that the information they have is limited and they're going off secondary sources Mm -hmm. and and they're just like inferring as to what he wants. Yep. Wants to win. He wants a relatively controlled environment. And it does feel like he wants secrecy. He wants to live a private life. Mm-hmm. To me, that does knock off a number of different places. Like the idea that he's going to be in pinstripes, I I, I feel like, or be a New York Met. I I feel like that's how, how can that, to your point, for that matter, to your point, those are pretty mm, media heavy cities. And Toronto is also a media heavy city, but it's a little different when it comes to the baseball team. It's very different. To me, if you want, now, the, the winning part is the hard part to get over because, yeah, while the Blue Jays did win 89 games, they have yet to win a postseason game during the Vlad and Bo tenure. They have underperformed over the last half decade. But Shohei is going to look at that and say, this is a team that's willing to, like, this is a team that has money. They're willing to spend money. And to the point that I've heard you bring up multiple times in this is that if you go sign Shohei, mm-hmm. that's extra money. That's not like using the budget for the offseason. That has to be extra money and then if a team won 89 games again we can feel how we feel about them rightfully so because we're so close to it but from the outside looking in you go they ain't gonna score one run again next year vlad and Bo aren't gonna go over again in the playoffs like mm. i honestly think like if if this was somewhere he wants to be you can easily easily sell yourself on winning is a possibility here with him if that's what he wants can you live a private life being a toronto blue jay i do we know I a ton so. i that's like, do we know a ton about George Springer? Like, do we loves, know? Loves hockey. Do I mean. That's it, what I mean, though. We have, they, they all have the thing, right? Like, it's like, oh, this is what we know about this guy. This is what we know about that guy. Joe Biagini. He's silly. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like, these guys are getting hounded. Like, David Price was riding his scooter to mm-hmm. games. No, it I, wasn't here that it got stolen. I feel like that was someplace else. I was like, well, maybe that would. I gave everybody ropes. No, I, I think, honestly, if you're connecting the dots, if you're thinking about the possibilities, if you're trying to, again, put yourself in Shohei Otani's mind, which is difficult to do because we have perilously little information mm-hmm. from him. But the little information we have is that there's, yeah, just like two things that are very important to him. One is winning, which, yeah, you can quibble with. Yeah. And, yeah, if you're into the winning thing most, why wouldn't you go just join the defending World Series champions, right. which are 
is it seems like as the days go on, a more realistic mm-hmm. possibility that it could end up a Texas Ranger. And I, I guess there's an ar- argument to be made there that that's not exactly the media mecca of baseball either. But if you are looking for a place that's a big deal that you can get, you can you can sell your wares, you can mm-hmm. sell your New Balance, that you have 40 million people who are fans of the team mm-hmm. that plays down at Rogers Center, but also that you can have your private life, that people won't pry, that people won't, that you can live in total secrecy, which is what Shohei Otani wants to do. He wants to go through this entire process without anybody knowing anything about it. Does feel like you can have your cake and eat it too in the city? I made the joke when he first got posted, or I don't know, was it, was it posted? I never know the terminology for this stuff, but I made the joke when he first came over to North America. You could, could just literally live at the dorm. He could live in the hotel that's connected to the ballpark. He'd never have to leave. It'd be perfect. I just think we have been down this road a few times before, and it's not always been bitten. Like George Springer signed. Mm-hmm. Young Jimmy signed. I just, I'd still be at the end of the day shocked if honestly he's, I won't say anywhere other than the Dodgers. Cause like you said, Texas becomes a very real possibility. And it's like, is that, is that a top three city you think of when you think of America? It's like, I think a lot of people probably go like New York, LA, and then like fill in the blank. I feel like for different people, some people it's Chicago, some people it's, but Dallas Fort Worth is a massive media market. Like we don't think of it necessarily in the same way, but if for TV market size, for a media market, it is, it's up there. It's not, it's not New York. It's not mm-hmm. LA. It's not Chicago, but it's, I would be floored if it's outside of the top 10 of markets and just size, media markets in, in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a good point. And yeah, I mean, the, the you know Cal- who actually is like a huge media market as well. Sorry, I keep cutting you off, but the dime. It's like, that's a huge, like, like Arizona is a big TV market. Like, that's not happening. He's not going to go there, but it is funny. We always think of like TV markets and cities as kind of different. Not always the same. Diamondbacks uh, plus 6,000. Okay. Uh, Gabe Moreno, though. What the tie with the Washington Nationals? I, for some reason, like the Kansas City Royals are also plus six thousand. Doesn't get higher than plus six thousand. The Oakland A's are plus six thousand. We're listed here. Which uh, of those is the most offended to be grouped with the other? I I don't think any of these teams can be offended. Right answer, just for the record. The White Sox maybe because they have a history of spending. The the Phillies are only plus five thousand. The Braves are plus five thousand, which it felt like a couple of days ago they were on the radar. Uh, I guess Vegas doesn't think so anymore. All right, when we come back, Joe Burrow um, looked like he was in extreme pain yesterday. Mm -hmm. Left that AFC North Divisional affair um, with a wrist injury. We'll talk to Charles Davis of the NFL on CBS and NFL Network next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.